Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... This episode of the Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Picture Book Summit. Do you dream of creating picture books that'll change a child's life? I know I do. Learn how to find your voice at Picture Book Summit, a world-class online conference for picture book authors and illustrators. You can join Picture Book Summit on Saturday, October 3rd, 2020 for keynotes from their award-winning best-selling lineup, including author-illustrator Sophie Blackall, author Lisa Klein-Ransom, and author-illustrator Peter H. Reynolds. Register by August 12th and get $100 off the regular price at picturebooksummit.com slash winner. That's picturebooksummit.com slash winner. Oh, that's very nice. You might hear some weird Mexican sounds. Um, what are like, weird Mexican uh, sounds? <laughs> well, uh, we have this guy who collects old, um, old well, old uh, kitchen stuff, and they okay. they have a speaker, and and they they announce that they're passing by, and they say that they're buying televisions and toasters and microwaves and everything so it's a recording and it sounds quite <laughs> robotic <laughs> and there's also the guy who sells uh, tamales tamales oaxaqueños and it's a repetition again it's a recording like <laughs> se venden tamales oaxaqueños that kind of thing there are plenty of sounds <laughs> well I guess this is what happens when we talk at lunchtime and when we talk in a busy city, this is wonderful. <laughs> yes, exactly. It used to be very quiet for the past three months, but now uh, people are starting to go out. And you can hear more of the regular sounds. Have you ever asked yourself, why is it so easy for others to talk to one another? This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 611. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm talking to Flavia Z. Drago. Flavia's debut picture book is called Gustavo the Shy Ghost. And it's about a ghost who really wants company and to be around friends. But when he's around others, he just can't seem to be noticed. It's also about sharing with others that thing that you really love. Shyness can be a complicated thing, can't it? 
it's not always that you're afraid of others or of other situations. Sometimes it boils down to just wanting others to invite you into their play or into their conversations. Flavia and I talk all about shyness and monsters and how other people can be just as scared as you are to meet others. And that makes being shy a little less lonely in a way, doesn't it? Please welcome my guest, Flavia Z. Drago, author and illustrator of Gustavo the Shy Ghost. Hello, my name is Flavia Zorrilla Drago, or Flavia Z. Drago as my author name, and I am an author and illustrator of picture books. I live in, in Mexico City, and uh, I love monsters. <laughs> I was so excited I jumped in and interrupted you. I'm so sorry, Flavia. I'm so grateful that you're <laughs> joining me. I'm so grateful to know that you love monsters and that you've made you've made this beautiful book, Gustavo the Shy Ghost. It's it's so wonderful to be talking to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me here. It's an honor. Um I'm listening. I've been listening to your show for a while, so now I'm just really happy to be here with you. Well, I'm really happy that we've spent eight minutes just giggling with one another first before actually properly starting our recording. That makes me really happy. <laughs> yes, well, me too. I just hope it will... You know, it's it's giggles. I think it'll make everyone... Hello. I think everyone needs to hear lightheartedness now, don't we? <laughs> This is the time for that. Oh, yeah. Exactly. We need to giggle, and laughter is contagious, as actually. So the more we laugh, hopefully the rest will laugh as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got this this wonderful book, Gustavo, The Shy Ghost, coming. I guess when this, when this episode is live, your book will also be out in the world, uh, coming from Candlewick. Would you mind sharing with folks what this book is about? And then I would love to share with you all of the amazing thoughts I have about it. <laughs> yes, of course. Well, this this book is about uh, about Gustavo, who is a ghost, and he's just a normal ghost. You know, he likes doing all the ghostly things. <laughs> Walking through walls, making objects fly, glowing in the dark... Uh, regular ghost things and more than anything in the world he really wants to make some friends but he has a little problem he's very very shy so he doesn't really know how to get closer to his monster friends and he tries different things but being a ghost and being shy um, keeps the others from seeing him so they can't really see him because he's not showing himself i guess he wants to do that but he's he's having trouble doing that and then one day he has a brilliant idea on how he can make everyone see him and he does something very brave which is he he loves playing violin and he he invites all of the monsters to a concert and i don't know if i should tell more because no, i might I think, be spoiling the book i i think i also will stop there when I'm talking about the book because your ending is beautiful and it's a great surprise and I think that I think that it 
honors Gustavo in a beautiful way. You've given his his friends, these other monsters, a chance to uh, respond to him, I think, in a really thoughtful way. And so I as well will not... I will, We are pinky promising not to spoil the ending. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I love... No, I think we shouldn't. <laughs> no, but I love, Flavia, that you've got this character who is shy but also wants to be noticed. I think that that is a complexity that we don't often see. We often see these shy characters as just being shy because they're fearful of, I don't know what, they're fearful of embarrassment or being teased or maybe being rejected Mm -hmm. by their friends. This is a common story. But to have Mm -hmm. in this story... Gustavo experiencing the tension of really wanting to be seen and, as you're saying, doing quite a brave thing of, why don't I just invite everyone over and show them something that I love, playing violin? That um, hmm. That's a really brave thing to do, as you said. Yes, I, I think I do have a lot in common with Gustavo, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tell me more. I love hearing things like that. Tell me more. Uh, well, uh, when I was a child, I um, I was really, really shy. I was about three or four, and I was in kindergarten, and I used to sit on a bench or by a wall or something and just I, I was wondering all the time how was it so easy for all the other children to play with each other. I was look at I would look at them and like why are they just talking to each other? How did they do that? I just I thought it was so hard. I did it. It happened the same t- to me at parties, and it wasn't like I didn't want to play with the other children. I was more kind of waiting for them to invite me or something like that. Um, but I did want to, I did want to have friends and, and then later on through drawing, I, I discovered that, uh, children would get closer to me and they would ask me questions. So I, I kind of discovered that through art, they, I could make friends. <laughs> you found a way to invite them in. I love that you're sharing that you were a kid that sat alone because you wanted someone to come find you, to notice you, to see you, not unlike Gustavo. And how how fun that you've chosen a ghost, a character that that so often when ghosts appear, it's it's people don't notice them. They might notice mm-hmm. the things that they do, such as in this case, playing the violin might draw people mm-hmm. toward you. But otherwise, <laughs> the ghost as a plainly as a ghost just isn't seen. So that's interesting yeah. that you chose that that vehicle to share that emotion. Yes, it was. Um, it, 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 it was a fun funny story, the story about that book, because I used to have a, well, I had, I have a Twitter account. I only tweet in Spanish. And um, there was this time where I had this other secret account where I would write as if I was some sort of monster. Oh, and that's so right. cool. Right. 
you had a <laughs> secret account. Kind, yeah, kind of. I, I mean, my my real life friends know know about this account, and some of my Twitter friends know about this, but I, I keep it mostly <laughs> secret. <laughs> but it's so playful, though, to uh, sort of have this this alias yeah. that you get to be somebody else through the it, sort of the protection of being anonymous on Twitter. Yes, and I I love medieval images, and I'm sharing loads of those on that account, and it's quite easy to find me, really. <laughs> it, it almost has the same name that I do, so it's very easy. <laughs> love but it. Anyway, uh, I was writing about monsters, pretending to be a monster, because I just love them. I love them, love them, love them. And then I was thinking that maybe ghosts, were hiding under their sheets because they're they're very shy. So I wrote a tweet about that and then thought to myself, oh maybe this can be this can be a story later on. And then I I went to England and the the a masters in children's books in Cambridge and by the end of the of the MA I was trying to impress <laughs> impress my publishers in, oh. in Walker. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes, I had I had different stories and they were they, they liked my stories and they liked my characters, but they, they weren't sure uh if they were right for a first picture book. So they asked me, Oh, do you know do you have um other stories? And I had some some doodles of a ghost being shy and I I told them the story that I've just told you and they they liked the idea and um, they asked me to start writing a picture book about a ghost who is very shy and I I didn't know what this story was going to be but it it developed very well (laughs) so I'm very happy. (laughs) I love that in Gustavo's world there are all different types of monsters. In fact, he's been pining for the the one he loves, Alma, who is invisible. <laughs> I thought, what a neat thing to make Alma <laughs> an invisible girl and to have Gustavo feel invisible. What an interesting choice. But to have yes. to have yes. a child who who loves nothing more. Then playing violin, you're re- I'm going to read your text because I love it. It's so fun. It reads, but there was nothing in the world that he loved more than playing the violin. Well, almost nothing. Gustavo was secretly in love with Alma, the prettiest monster in town. But he also had a problem. You see, Gustavo was so shy that some things felt incredibly difficult for him. And the worst part of it, making friends was terrifying <laughs> so as as I I, I I hope people can hear me smiling as I'm reading this I hope you Flavia can hear me smiling the the line that you give that Gustavo was secretly in love with Alma the prettiest monster in town and then for readers to take in the illustration of glasses clothes jumping rope with with a smile and Gustavo (laughs) behind the bushes behind this tree and bushes just sort of clapping hands to himself is the most delightful thing maybe I've ever seen (laughs) 
I love him. I, I, I'm very fond of Gustavo. So everything that he was feeling, I was feeling as well when I was drawing him. And um, did you know that Alma means soul in, in Spanish? That's beautiful. I did not know that. Yes, yes. So this is why her name is Alma. She's, she's a nice soul. <laughs> she's a nice soul. That's beautiful. Yes. She's a nice soul. Um, I do. I, I was familiar with the name Alma because of another picture book that I love called uh, mm-hmm. called Alma by, by Juana Martinez, Neil. Um, so when that name came up, it made me smile because I thought of, of that other book. And then to look back at at <laughs> Gustavo and the smile that he had in the way that <laughs> from that point on, we are tracking where is Gustavo on this page and really where is Gustavo in relation to his other friends and to really have goodness, maybe half of your book at that point continuing forward is just page after page of him looking distraught, of him looking sad or worried or who knows what, because he's just not being seen. But then the chance that you give us to see him happy again, of course, is when we see him playing his violin. It's as if he is reminded that, that of all these things you don't, maybe you don't think you can have, you do have this joy in violin and that joy can bring others to you much like i i i would guess your joy of making art flavia brought others to you which also then brought you more joy yes exactly exactly like that so um that's what i was thinking when i was when i was writing that book it's like how how did i do to make some friends and it was it it all started by sharing with others the things that I loved the most. So I thought that maybe Gustavo could do that. He could forget a bit about showing himself, but rather sharing something that he loved with others. When you were writing, and I say writing because I mean thinking of the other characters in the book, the other friends that Gustavo is seeking. Did you also think of them much like the kids on the playground that it wasn't perhaps that they didn't like you, but rather that they just weren't coming over to talk to you and you wanted them to to see you? Yes, yes. Um, I thought that it was not like they didn't want to to talk to me. It was more Mostly that maybe they um, needed some sort of signal. <laughs> a signal, yes. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, that's the impression um, I get when I see these characters. It's that none of them, and you, you were so careful to do this, none of them were ever mean to him. None of them were ever unkind. All of the... Um, times that the friends are ever making mean faces are just sort of accidental. They're not meaning to. Or like when I'm picturing (laughs) the one friend who's about to kick Gustavo when he takes the shape of a ball is not because he's trying to cause harm. Or or like, um, I love when Gustavo becomes a balloon and all of the friends are smiling 
because Alma is carrying these balloons, this bouquet of balloons of which he's a part. And he yeah. is smiling just because he's around them being happy. That, that sort of communication of, of complex emotions was something, Flavia, that I loved about your book. It really felt like well, you you understood the people around you, but just sort of wanted them to understand you a little bit better. Yes, yes. I, I, I think that's a very nice reading. <laughs> I guess um, I did most of the things I, I drew were in, like just an intuitive way of making an interpretation of how I feel about people because usually once I've taken that first step of um, getting to know someone, you, you can realize that actually people is, can be as as scared as you are of uh, talking to others or, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes it feels easy for everyone to 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 make friends or to get to talk to other people but uh i've talked to extroverts and they they even they find it hard sometimes (laughs) like yeah i do it but it's scary (laughs) A, a little bit like that so it can be overwhelming meeting new yes i really connect with you over this feeling of i want to be friends with you but i want you to come talk to me. I don't quite know how to come talk to you. Hello, beautiful book nerds. As the Children's Book Podcast grows and reaches new ears and new readers, I continue to explore what ways we can engage in literature together. That's where the idea of book club began. I send you a book featured on the podcast. The book ships from the Brain Layer Bookstore, one of my absolute favorite indie bookstores. And I create a special book guide and mini episode to accompany your read of the story. It's a special way for us all to connect over books. And I'm so glad to see folks connecting with all we've done through book club so far. The feature book we picked for August is Your Name is a Song by Jamila Tompkins Bigelow and illustrated by Luisa Uribe. This book is amazing and so, so needed in our libraries and homes. It's a story about name pronunciation and identity and how the way we see and respect one another starts with your name. Visit MatthewCWinner.com and click on Patreon at the top of the page, or use the link in the show notes to access Patreon to learn more. There's a, a scene, almost all of the book, for the most part, has a, a white background in the illustrations. Um, really sort of a blank canvas in that way. And the, the first opportunity that you break that for readers is when the whole uh, background takes the color of the setting sun and the text reads, Mm. Gustavo longed to be a part of something more than anything. He wanted to make a friend. I have to be brave. I have to let others see me, he thought. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to share with you that 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 page, that composition, and the way you've drawn it, the way the text sits on the uh, 
top left of the page, just waiting there while on the bottom right of the page, Gustavo is on the bottom of a seesaw. It, it, it really, I think in that way, it's really powerful imagery and allows Gustavo to just be by himself on a page with nothing but stars above him. And it, it really feels sad. And I think that it's a moment that readers really feel and, and readers can really feel like they are Gustavo. And so to give that page turn where then Gustavo is hit with the solution, I found that to be so affecting. I really thought that was a beautiful uh, beat, beautiful moment in your story. Oh, thank you. I I felt it was important for him to to make a pause maybe and then uh, try something different because he he was trying something to get closer uh, to the other monsters, but they weren't working. So maybe he needed to to do something extra brave. So yeah. this. This was an important moment for him, and a moment of realization, a moment of uh, changing his behavior a bit, maybe, in a good way. In a good way. <laughs> I, I would fully agree. I love your illustrations in this book, and I realize we haven't had a chance to speak so much directly about them. I wonder what materials you used to make this book, because the palette you used, which sort of feels like a muddy wash over everything gives it a really soft, gentle voice from the illustrations. It feels inviting and earthy and sort of lived in. And I, I really mm. like that. Oh, I'm so happy that you, you point that out uh, because I, I I thought about the, the color palette a lot and um, I wanted to bring together two different worlds, the world of monsters and classic films which is mostly black and white and the world of old pictures which are kind of sepia tones and and muted tones but also because they live in this imaginary town in mexico i wanted to have uh, some joyful colors like the, the pink and the orange so <laughs> i wanted to mix both worlds and actually, uh, uh, in Mexico, we we call that shade of pink Mexican pink, uh, rosa mexicano, and it's it's a color that you can see everywhere in Mexico. You see it in markets, in flowers, in clothing, uh, folk art. It's it's really everywhere. <laughs> so I'll um, I might be sharing some pictures on my Instagram so that you can see how Mexican pink it's everywhere so it's a bit of a mixture between the the joy of those really uh bright colors and the muted palette of uh of a nostalgic mm. era maybe because ghosts ghosts live in nostalgic places too. yeah so i have I heard of, about that i have heard of mexican pink because of my pal juji morales who makes mm. beautiful art as well in picture books and the the color story that you've that you've given to this in that way of combining well really i guess if i could be as direct combining the world of the living and the world of the monster um <laughs> in order to find a, a 
a mutual palette is is really neat to think of it that way. The the story that the colors share. That's neat. Yes, uh, I mean in picture books everything can be storytelling. You have you have the size of the book, you have the format, you have the the font. Uh, oh yeah. You have the color color it's it's a huge part of storytelling, so I thought that it should make sense as well. Um, Your end papers yeah. do beautiful storytelling. To start with end papers that are mostly like wallpaper with just a um, one of those four image printouts that you get from a photo booth of Gustavo by himself. And then to have the closing end papers reflect the resolution of the story. Look how carefully I'm not giving it away. <laughs> yes. But to reflect the resolution. I, I, I noticed. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. Also, you've given when you take off the the jacket of the book, your case cover is so delightful to have Gustavo's face uh, in a way that we can hold it up yeah, and do it's... book face. I love that. <laughs> yeah, he 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 took the shape of the book. <laughs> he took the shape of the book. Is right. <laughs> exactly. Oh. I, I was so happy they they allowed me to do that. I originally wanted the for the cover just to be Gustavo's face, but um, it didn't reflect all the detail that the interiors have. So we have to to use the Gustavo with an ofrenda and um, and the Mexican paper, the cutout paper, cut and out everything. Paper, yeah. That cutout paper design that you've used, I don't know. Maybe you have a maybe you have the the correct word to call it. I was just calling it that that like cut paper in that way. It's you the design that you've made is so beautiful. Also to have the cover be pink with the orange popping through on the on in the back, and then to flip it over to the back of the book and to have it be uh, mostly orange with the pink popping. Um, that that image that you've given us on the back is so is so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yes, I I was um, I thought that I just could have fun with the with the with the cover and the back too because it's it's about a um, well the story develops during the day of the day or during that time of the year. And it's my favorite party in Mexico. You see these beautiful altars that we called ofrendas and the colors. And we call that that kind of paper papel picado. Mm. And um, I just, I could go crazy about all, the, all those details. So Has Day I, of the Dead been uh, a favorite holiday of yours since childhood? Is it something you've been sort of carrying with you this whole time? Yes. Definitely, I loved it. And um, when I was little, I, I used to make ofrendas for for my grandparents. I don't know if you know yeah. uh, the nature of the celebration. We make these altars, and then we put certain things: flowers, water, candles, and yeah. um, we also put the things that our our loved ones who have died loved. Like my grandpa, he loved smoking a certain brand of cigarettes you would you would put it there and if he liked his record player you would put it there so it's just a way of remembering your loved ones and welcoming them in your home and i've always i've always thought that was very beautiful that 
mm, that was very beautiful and also the all the altars can are beautiful objects you see them and they're bright and shiny and they have delicious food on them so and then you can eat that (laughs) (laughs) i have seen i am aware of what you're sharing and also um we had that movie from pixar coco that also gave some of that language so when you said ofrenda i knew i knew that word from there um but i'm realizing as i'm looking at the cover of your book that Gustavo is standing in front of an ofrenda, in front of an altar, on the cover, isn't he? Yes, he is. He is um, standing in front of uh, an ofrenda. Uh, the the first uh, draft I made for the for the cover, he was he was hiding behind the ofrenda, but um, we thought that maybe the everyone should see Gustavo because he's <laughs> he's our main character. <laughs> so maybe it was important showing him a little bit more. <laughs> so this is why he's in front of the ofrenda instead of behind. <laughs> well, and I, I, I take it that that image is probably, um, though I don't recall it appearing within the book itself, that's probably a picture from his house. And when he goes to the party with friends and we see a different ofrenda with a different person in the in the photograph, um, that would be mm. somebody else's place. So I feel like it just adds to your storytelling. But right away, my eyes um, caught on the record player. And then I just heard you now mentioning about your grandfather and um, putting a record player yes. there. And I thought, what a neat connection. Yes, I have some of his records actually, and I played them from time to time. Oh. And I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm very wary of touching them because I've noticed they still have fingerprints. So it's oh. like, oh, maybe those were my grandpa's fingerprints, That's and so I just beautiful. want to keep them like that. <laughs> but I do enjoy uh, listening his, to his records from time to time. Yes. Well, I think anyway that we that we keep the memory of those who've come before us alive, whether through preserving fingerprints or the the <laughs> smell that reminds us of them. Or, I mean, for me, um, it's always, there's the, there was these certain hard candies that my grandmother always had um, in her, in her home. And I can't look at one of those candies without thinking of her. I can't taste one of those candies without being transported to being, with her so so yeah i i think that those things are meant to imprint on us forever i think that that's beautiful (laughs) that you look at the records and see fingerprints and think of him (laughs) oh yes it's inevitable i i knew that he was touching those records and 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 i knew he was playing them so it's it's inevitable thinking um, that there was this time when he was enjoying the same thing that I'm enjoying right now. <laughs> when we can kind yeah. of share that, <laughs> we can you can share that moment is is a beautiful connection across time. When you were making the art for this book, what materials did you use? Because I I happen to be a very big fan of of when art looks physical even if it is digital or not i love when you look at art like yours and you can see the scratch marks of the pencil you can see the texture the the sort of intention is there on the page and i get that a lot in in your art that gustavo and his family have this feeling of 
of crayon drawn over top of something in the way that you can still subtly see color popping through. I don't want to make assumptions about what art you use, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about what it was. Oh, yes, of course I can. I can share that. I I make my my drawings um, uh, with um, with pencil and ink and uh, crayon, and I I, I use uh, traditional media, and I make black and white images, and then I scan them, and then I use Photoshop to color my images, and it's a process that it's quite. Uh, it's, it's a slow process. Yeah, but I've heard of others doing practical. the same thing. I've heard that. But you're right that if, if you want to make a book fast, there's, uh, there's better ways to do it. But there's something really, I think, romantic about taking, taking time with your art, spending that time with, with your work. <laughs> it's so you... the best part of the process. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> writing, a story, writing a story is enjoyable, but it's also... Uh, slightly more, more stressful in the sense that you are worrying about it. You you want it to make sense. You want it to have a nice rhythm and pace, and you want it to have a good resolution for your characters and in, and funny details and everything. And then once you get to the artwork bit, you, you you know that you will just be sitting for hours and hours and hours enjoying your characters and listening to podcasts and doing other things. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I love I love making artwork and um, it's it's a lengthy process but very enjoyable. Fun. And just like you said, I I love the the feeling of the real texture yeah. materials it gives it, it gives the final illustration a warmth that you can't really achieve with uh, with digital brushes like there are incredible things that you can do with digital art of course but it's just this this feeling i don't know i can't create that just with digital so this is why i take the time to do the the originals, and then I color them on Photoshop. Yeah. When 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 you've done that, the result in this book, in particular, is that it makes me want to run my fingers across the page, even though I know it's printed. I'm not going to feel anything. So, what work you've done to mix that media um, and to to allow different colors with different translucencies to to work this way on the page really does give i don't know maybe a a presence to the art that that could be lost if done another way so so thank you for sharing that that is is how you do your work because it's it's lovely <laughs> i like it <laughs> oh. <laughs> thank you i'm i'm glad that you can you can appreciate the the textures and and the feeling that i've been trying hard to <laughs> convey with those um images <laughs> so well, it, it yeah. just makes me very happy <laughs> knowing I mean, this to be to put on my my librarian hat when i in particular looked at gustavo i and his family i couldn't stop thinking about children making art and seeing your book and and even thinking like well if i drew this this background 
in colored pencil. And then when I was ready, I took a white crayon and I just colored really hard over top to make my ghost, but the color would still be popping through. It was that sort of a feeling, a sort of feeling of like, I wonder how I could make art like this. And and engaging your reader, Flavia, in that that sort of invitation to play and to, to think about the art in that way was something really alluring. And I think that not not all art does that. So I'm glad that that was the touch that you left on this art, because I think it serves the story well, and it serves your characters well, but it, it in that special way, also serves your readers well. Oh, thank you. That's, that's really, really nice. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very, very happy to hear this, this thing. I think that all illustrators, illustrators will kind of struggle, uh, when you see artwork made made by others, you think maybe I should be doing that. Maybe I should be doing this. But in the end, really, you should be doing what you you enjoy. And I've been enjoying this this technique, and um, hopefully that that shows through the images. So, well, I think that is the know. perfect sentiment to end our conversation on. Um, <laughs> to to not worry so much about what other people are doing. But to really make mm-hmm. to make that that thing that's on your heart, Flavia. Thank you so much yes. for sharing Gustavo the shy ghost with me and with everyone listening. And thank you for setting aside time to talk to me today, and for bringing your childhood into the conversation in the book, and to bring Mexico into uh, the conversation into the book, and just all of your family. I don't know all of those all of those touches that that make this a book that only you could bring us. That was really special. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Matthew, for having me here. And I've enjoyed having this conversation and I kind of wish that we had more time because there are still lots of stories and things that I could say about this book. But <laughs> oh, well, well, please do come back and share more with us. I would love to to catch up with you, not only after this book is out and with readers, and to hear what that experience is like for you as an author, yes. but also also all of these other stories, because you teased out that, that Walker Books had said that, well, these things you've shared with us don't feel like first books, so that makes me really excited for them being your second or third or fourth or fifth books. So I, yeah. I really can't wait to catch up in the future. But prior to that, I want to I wanna give you a chance to speak directly to these readers that will find your work and give you a chance to speak um, and have that last word with them. So I will say it this way. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning, Flavia. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Well, um, yes. In in probably in this crazy times, I would I would like you to know that you can be patient and that you can take one day at a time and then there are always things that you can enjoy in in your in your house there there's your family and there's uh, there are books and there are are colors and pencils and there's so just uh, be patient and enjoy the things that are close to you <laughs> The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. 
You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 600 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the free music archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and don't reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Become a patron, and you can directly impact and help to sustain the podcast. Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that is a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.